0: Father, I pray that as we look at your word, you'd encourage our hearts. I pray that our minds and our hearts would be focused on you. I pray that we would be renewed by your truth and thank you for your word. I pray today you'd give me the strength to share it in a way that uh, is accurate to the text and what you intend. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, good morning. I've, uh, always wanted to, uh, preach in shorts, and I think I'm going to get an opportunity to in the month of December, because I'm having surgery tomorrow morning, and, uh, I will be casted up, so if I'm coordinated enough to get up here with crutches, I'm going to be in shorts next week, so uh, I'm looking forward to that, and nobody can get on my case, so, uh, I, um this morning i I, this last week we finished titus and i um have been thinking about different things you know we came through thanksgiving and um i've been reflecting on thankfulness and what it means to be thankful and not so much just because of thanksgiving but because of uh when thankfulness is not present it's abundantly clear you ever notice that and I think about, um, you think, I want you to think about your, your, your closest of, of buds, your closest of friends that you feel really tight with that you would uh, you just get so much joy out of sharing a meal with. And I think about if, if thankfulness was uh, sharing a meal with some close, close friends, you know peace would be there, joy would be there, contentment would be there, hope would be there love would be there, faith would be there, goodness would be there. It it reminds me of what we looked about hope. Those friends are always together. You never find one of them without the others. They hang in a pack. And today I want us to look, I'd love to look at each one of these, but that would be a series, and I'm not going to look at them. But I think today... um, I want us to focus on thankfulness, and I, and I really believe that if we understand Thanksgiving a little bit better, we actually have a much better understanding of these other ones I mentioned. Uh, this, this morning, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to preach on multiple texts, and the hope and the prayer is, is that it will still be exposition, because really the heart of exposition is just being faithful to the text. So that that's the goal this morning. The title is going to be thankfulness. As a way of living thankfulness is a way of living and and just over the last several days of just looking at uh and for reflecting on thankfulness in the scripture i want us to look at several observations concerning thankfulness Seb- several observations concerning thankfulness and it's my prayer this morning that by looking at this from a broad view that we can all prayerfully consider what God calls us to live out of. That we prayerfully consider our, in praise and in and, 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 and adoration to Christ if we're walking in thankfulness, but if we're not thankful, that we could go to the Lord in prayer in reality of what we see biblically to be true. The first observation that I wanna look with you, look at with you this morning, is thankfulness an unknown reality before salvation, thankfulness an unknown reality before salvation—it's it's previously unknown before Christ. If you got your Bible, get ready to turn to a lot of places, and and, and I'm going to m- move quick, so we'll test your uh, your your skills here. Second Timothy chapter three. Second Timothy chapter three. Paul's describing what takes place in the last days, and he says something in this list that relates to our topic, but understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive. Disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. In Second Timothy three, verse three, he keeps on going on with the list. Heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of god having the appearance of godliness but denying its power avoid such people doesn't that look like a list of the world right now but notice in verse 2 for people will be lovers of self lovers of money proud arrogant abusive disobedient to their parents and the next one ungrateful ungrateful not appreciative not filled with gratitude, not thankful. And and what is the scriptural reason for that reality? Think about it. What would the biblical basis be as to why people in the last days live in such a way as to reflect an attitude of ungratefulness? Well, the reason for that is given in Romans. A couple of places, we could go a lot of more verses here, but I'll read you one, Romans 5, 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. That is the harsh reality of the reality of sin. And when we think of sin, we think of this thing called depravity. We think of depravity. I found this paragraph to be really helpful. John Piper says the modifier total in total depravity denotes that sin affects every facet of our nature. It does not mean that sinners are as bad as they possibly can be or that any one person is as bad as he possibly can be. Nor does it mean that fallen humans lack a conscience or that the world since the fall is entirely miserable and incapable of making any progress or appreciating the beauty evident all around. It means that no part of the personality is uncorrupted the mind, the emotions, and so on. That's the problem. We're sinners in need of the grace of God. And now back up to Romans chapter one. If you wanna turn over to Romans one, we're gonna begin reading in verse 18. And, and notice that the core, at the heart of the problem, Paul explains this reality of ungratefulness. What is the reason? Why is this apparent? why can't we all relate to it as we look at the world well verse 18 for the wrath of god is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth for what can be known about god is plain to them because god has shown it to them for his invisible attributes namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made so they are without excuse now notice verse 21 for although they knew god they did not honor him as god or give thanks to him there it is but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened claiming to be wise they became fools exchanged the glory of the immortal god for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things thankfulness is an unknown reality before salvation in sin because of depravity due to the fall rather than worship god we suppress the truth Rather than honor him or give thanks to him, we become futile in our thinking. Foolish hearts act out of being darkened. We think we're wise when we're fools. We exchange the glory of God for other created things. So first of all, let's get to the real heart of it. Thankfulness is not a reality we can experience outside of God and his grace. You know, people will say, um, wait a minute, you know, I, I've been around people that don't know Christ, and I've seen them very grateful for their kids. I've seen the joy of a new, a new birth and a new mom and dad. Of course, we can, we can totally take note of that, but what we're speaking about here is the type of thankfulness the Bible describes, the type of thankfulness that is what God calls us to live out of. When we see gratitude of people, it's because of common grace. It's because of the blessings of God that are, ex- that are evident in common grace. But when we're talking about this notion of thankfulness that the Christian experiences, it is something impossible to experience apart from the grace of Jesus. So number one, thankfulness an unknown reality before salvation, but number two, Now we begin to understand where thankfulness comes from. Number two, true thankfulness is rooted in the work of Christ. True thankfulness is rooted in the work of Christ. There's so many places that this could be seen. But I want to look at Colossians 1 with you. Go to Colossians 1, and, and I want you to see Paul's, excitement as he writes to the people of Colossae. And he's writing to them, and we'll see this later on as he expresses thanks for them. But in the midst of all of these realities, he speaks about their salvation. And jumping down into verse 9 of Colossians 1, And then notice what he says in verse 12, giving thanks to the father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Thankfulness at the root of it is expressing gratitude for what God has done for us in his son. When we think about all that Christ has done, you know, we could go to so many different passages, but, but just a passage that I, I may be the clearest explanation of the gospel in all the New Testament. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, thankfulness because for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so Paul speaks about thankfulness, this gratitude, this, this sense of praise to God in light of what he has done for us. It's the reality for the Christian of reflecting on for God, so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Thankfulness because of Christ and what he has done for us. It's sort of the exclamation point on the reflection of people that would read Titus chapter three that we just went through, where Paul says he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And that's exactly what Paul is expressing in Colossians 1.8 or 1.12. It's the essence of, Thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for what you've done for me, rooted in salvation. And and, and, you know, if you think about, I love this passage. When I was looking at verses that that had different words for thankfulness in them, I, I didn't even consider this one, you know, and I came across it and it just hit me. In Luke 6.35, it says, but love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the most high and listen to how it qualifies the most high. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil and thankfulness because of God's grace begins to flow out of our heart when we consider the kindness and the grace of God to us who are ungrateful. It's rooted in his work on the cross. And so thankfulness becomes a reality in response to God's love and kindness and his saving us and his forgiveness of our sins. And, and this is what gets exciting because if you were to look with me and we, and we laid out all these verses, we would look at them, and if I was sitting with you, and I was like, hey, how do you think we ought to categorize these passages? We could do it different ways. But we would start out, we would see how people are ungrateful. We would see how people are thankful because of God's salvation in Jesus. But then we would see all of these passages that illustrated thankfulness in what God has not only done for us, but what he's done in others. Now, when you think of this, it's everywhere. It, this is exciting because uh, you remember in 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 Acts chapter eleven, it's talking about the church, you know, growing and and how the the gospel is being just powerfully seen in the lives of people all over the place. And it says in Acts eleven twenty. 20, but there were some of them men of Cyprus and Cyrene who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Church in Jerusalem says, Barnabas, I want you to go check this out. We're hearing a report of people that have trusted in Jesus. And listen to what happens, Acts eleven twenty three, 23. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. And he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. One of the reasons you see thankfulness brought up so many times in the New Testament is not only in response of what Christ has done for us on the cross, but it's in response to the saving power of Christ in others. When we look at other people and we see a demonstration of the grace of God in their life, It brings gladness to the heart of the Christian. It brings thanksgiving. It's the same words, I I alluded to it earlier, but notice how Paul opens the book of Colossians in chapter one, in the first three verses. He says, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven of this, you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. And Paul's like, when I look and see and hear what God is doing in your midst, it, Brings me incredible joy. And I'm thankful to God on your behalf. Listen to Paul as he writes to Philemon. I thank my God, Philemon in verse four. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. Can can you relate to that? I think sometimes we're encouraged when we hear of others who see the work of God in us. I think sometimes we don't see it as quickly. But isn't it amazing how we can see it in others? I was with a a group of friends uh, for my birthday and uh, and one of the things that brought me the greatest joy is while there's a tendency, I have to admit, we can we can still uh, be 50 and start acting like we did when we were 17 when we're together. But I got in the car and I told Anne, I said, "Do you realize how how much these guys have grown in Jesus and how how, how much they've changed? It, it's sort of like." Uh, you know, isn't it crazy? There's that certain age of teenage life where they're always changing, but then there's that one time you, you, you're around, you're, not, you're away from your nephew, away from your friend's child, and you live in a different city and you see them, you're like, whoa, it's different than before. You know, they're always growing, they're always changing. You know what I'm talking about? Somewhere around 12, 13, it's like all of a sudden, it's like they just go crazy. And they change like they change like mad and you look at them and you're amazed at the development and the growth and the changes. And when Paul saw the grace of God evident in his people, it blew his mind in gratitude and thankfulness to the Lord. That's the heartbeat here. He says it in Philemon in First Thessalonians. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. I was looking at a topical uh, Bible dictionary and and one of the headings on this, it, it, it kept going. It said, he was thankful for the conversion of others. He was thankful for faith exhibited by others. He was thankful for love exhibited by others. He was thankful for the grace bestowed on others. He was thankful for the zeal exhibited by others. And do you see what it is? It's like not only a thankfulness rooted in what God has done for me in Christ, but a thankfulness rooted in what God has done for others in Christ. And it brings joy. I tell you, like over the years of looking back and seeing young men growing in Christ, seeing older men trusting Christ in new challenges of life seeing older women modeling for younger ladies a deep trust in God young moms who once were in a youth group that I led who now are loving their husbands and loving their kids and seeking to honor God what joy it brings what 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 thanksgiving it uh, it, it brings out college kids on a campus that are that are literally living in a world of such sin. I I was talking to a buddy just the other day, and he said, man, I'm burdened. He told me a story about this uh, dear friend of his and his life and his son uh, in a fraternity into cocaine. And he was telling me about how much cocaine has come back in fraternity life in Southern schools. And, and, and so then you hear that and you, and you mourn and you, you seek to pray and encourage and pray for the kid that's, that's stuck in it and pray for the parents that are grieving over it. But you also, when you hear of stories of that kid you knew at church that's a junior in high school just two years ago and now is at a campus and he's involved in campus ministries and he's in the word of God and he's praying. What does it, what does it do? It brings great thankfulness. Thankfulness in your heart that God is working in his people working amongst the world. So we see thankfulness, an unknown reality before salvation, number one. Number two, true thankfulness rooted in the work of Christ. But then we see thankfulness as as a work of God's spirit. I mean, all of this is a work of God's spirit, but I want you to see it in the day to day. Thankfulness because of salvation, but, but thankfulness as a reality of god's grace working in us now now think with me like i'm I'm speaking of like a tangible thankfulness that is taking place in the life of a christian and we look at it and one of the reasons we're thankful for the growth is because we see the spirit working So, so it's sort of like a it goes off of the last point, but I'll, I'll hopefully we'll be able to illustrate this in these passages. Like when when Paul's praying about the believers at Colossae, and we've looked at this passage so many times because it's one of the key prayers of the apostle. And, and, and when he says, and so from the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you. He's praying what? He's praying for believers. He's just, he, he's getting ready to mention the fact that They've been qualified to share in the inheritance of saints. They're converted. They're saved. They have a hope of the future. But notice, he says, we've not ceased to pray for you asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work. Increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father. He's describing a believer and he's praying for this believer that they would grow up in Christ. That the Holy Spirit would work through them the realities that he speaks about in verse 9, 10, 11, and 12. So when we think about this, where thankfulness is rooted in the work of Christ, but how can Christians live thankfully? It's only possible because of the ongoing continual work of the Spirit. It's not, I think sometimes we think of it more like this. You know, you get a, let's imagine we have a, a class of unregenerate third graders. <laughs> but literally, let's imagine that none of those, I'll, I'll try to be nicer, precious little kids. None of those precious little kids, let's imagine none of them know Christ. And let's imagine that the teacher is like, look. You need to be thankful, you know, put the golden rule up on the board. The problem is, you know, if there's no power to live by the golden rule, the golden rule is not really effective. You tell people to be loving, they have no capacity to love apart from the Spirit. You tell people to be thankful for what they get at Christmas, there's no capacity to truly be thankful apart from the work of the Spirit. You see see where I'm going with this? So when you think of a Christian who's living thankful, it's due to to the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. It's evidence of the grace of God. So as we look at these these things, thankfulness and unknown reality before salvation, we go, okay, can't know that apart from Christ. Number two, it's rooted in the work of Christ. The main heartbeat of thankfulness is what God has done for me in Jesus. Then, thirdly, we think about thankfulness as a work of God's Spirit. And we think about wait a minute, it's only possible to live this way because of the Holy Spirit working in us. You can see that same thing when Paul is writing to the church in Colossians chapter 3. He says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts in verse 15 of chapter 3, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching, admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Three verses, each verse containing a reference to thanksgiving. And what does it reveal? It reveals... The power of the Holy Spirit working in his people. The power of the Spirit doing what we can't do, bringing us to this place of thankfulness, enabling us to let the peace of Christ rule, working through the Word of God to bring about thankfulness. But but the fourth one thankfulness appropriated by faith in our day-to-day walk. Thankfulness is appropriated by faith in our day-to-day walk. It reminds me of this wonderful dual workings. Philippians 2.12, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. Both to will and to work for his good pleasure, we are called to walk in this thanksgiving. We are called to appropriate what God has given us in Christ in our day to day life. So we celebrate that it's a work of the Spirit that we can be thankful, but we also appreciate the fact that thankfulness is appropriated by faith. Listen to the words of Colossians 2, 6 through 9. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. How would they receive Christ Jesus the Lord? I like what one commentator said. He says, true conversion implies the right of Christ to rule and therefore to determine the shape and character of what in his eyes is worthy and consistent living his pleasures first to be consulted. The Christian therefore comes to any and every situation willingly recognizing that the writ of Christ's authority runs there as ye therefore have received Christ Jesus as Lord. So walk ye in him. You've received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him. How did you receive him? You could look at, you received him by faith. You received him in dependence, you received him in humility. You received him in his Lordship. Now live this way, walk in him. And then the next part of this passage, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. We see thankfulness that flows out of a walk of faith. Thankfulness that is appropriated by faith in our day-to-day walk. You could really look at this in many different passages. Colossians 2 is really evident. But even when we looked at Colossians 1, 9, When Paul is praying, he's praying that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will. And just as it is the work of the spirit that we might ever be controlled by the word, we are called, we are commanded to not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. We are called to submit to the spirit, We are called to yield to the spirit and sin in a sense. We're called to live dependent. And so Paul is speaking about as you are controlled with the knowledge of his will, what will be the outflow? What will be the results? What will be the fruit? Spiritual wisdom, understanding, walking in a manner worthy, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power, endurance, and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father. Thankfulness is a barometer of our fellowship with Jesus. If the Spirit is is leading and guiding us to thankfulness, then a lack of thankfulness is a barometer of our walk with Jesus. So we see these realities, you, you can see it in Colossians 3. Notice the responsibility that he's calling the church at Colossae to, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. And then he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You see how this is not a passive text? He, he's calling them, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And what is the results of this? Teaching, admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. How? With thankfulness in your hearts to God. So what have we seen so far? Thankfulness, an unknown reality before salvation. Number two, true thankfulness rooted in the work of Christ, not only in the work God has done for us, but the work he's done for others. Number three, thankfulness is a work of God's spirit. Number four, thankfulness appropriated by faith in our day-to-day walk with Christ. But number five, thankfulness in all circumstances. In all circumstances. You know, Ephesians is the parallel passage to Colossians 3, 16. And, and you look at verse 20 of that, Ephesians 5. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You start to realize like thankfulness is a humble appreciation for God's goodness and blessings. Think about how humility is understanding who I really am before God. And when we understand ourselves correctly and we see who God really is, all of a sudden we begin to see things differently. Um, we, we sing with thankfulness. In the, in, the, in the Old Testament, instruments are played with thankfulness. And we start to see good gifts. We start to see God's care in our life. G.I. Packer said every meal every pleasure every possession every bit of sunshine every night's sleep every moment of health and safety and everything else that sustains and enriches life is a divine gift and he goes on it is significant that the anglo-saxon root from which the word god comes means good And he goes on, A.W. Pink adds, his goodness is underived; It is the essence of his eternal nature. I had a professor in seminary. I love this man. He was in, he's still alive. His name is Dr. Carl Laney. One of the kindest, most humble men I've ever been around. And one day he was in class and he he meant it with all of his being. He loved the Lord. and, And he said, you know, he goes, uh, He goes, I I got up this morning, and he goes, he was a runner, and he goes, I went on a run, and he goes, and I felt the wind coming against my face. And he goes, I got back, and I felt, I felt, I was running down the street, and I I saw those, you know, beautiful lawns, I saw the houses. I I got back and had hot water hit my face in the shower. I, I, he was going through everything, and, and when he was doing it, we were like, wow, this guy's in tune with everything to be thankful for. But it hit me his life was marked by appreciation for the smallest of blessings. the kindnesses of God. isn't it interesting? one thing I've learned in my life is when we studied the book of Ecclesiastes is have you ever noticed how when our hobbies become at the center of our life or if money becomes at the center of our life or, a person becomes at the center of our life, then we can't really appreciate blessings because uh, we can't appreciate those blessings because we're actually looking to those things to fulfill us. only God can fulfill us. But here's what's amazing. By the grace of God, when we seek to put Christ at the center, then and only then can the peripheral things be seen as real blessings and then we can say, wow, God, thank you for letting me be with my boys and experiencing this activity. God, thank you for that meal. Thank you for your kindness to me, God, that, that, that I can get in my car. Thank you for, God, thank you for my life. And it's in those realities that we find in the most mundane of activities in the backdrop of our life is a sense of gratitude for what God is providing. And Paul says, thank him in everything. But you know what? I have a tendency to compartmentalize that to the blessings that I deem as good. But what does Philippians four say? Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. A little different flavor than the first one, but what he's getting at is it's not just those blessings we look at as good immediately, it's those things that tempt us to be anxious. What tempts you to be anxious? God calls you to thanksgiving and not anxiousness. He, Anxious is the word that means to be troubled. It's uh, borrowing, you know, it's the idea of borrowing tomorrow's troubles. It's uh, trouble to take thought, anxious care. But he says, be thankful. Be thankful. But, but remember the friends I told you hang out with uh, thankfulness? Look at verse seven of Philippians four and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul Paul is saying, don't be anxious, but pray, go to your father, bring your needs with an attitude of thankfulness implying that he is the provider, that he cares for you, that he's sovereign over you. Let your requests be made known to God. And then later on in Philippians 4, 8 to 13, he deals with contentment. I tell you, this is the reality of the Christian life. I'll give you an example of this and it's different for everybody. It's relevant to what you're going through today. About nine days ago, I guess it was about nine days ago, so a Friday night I was sitting with the kids and Ann was gone and an alarm went off. And it wasn't a good alarm. It was a bad alarm. It was my grinder pump alarm. Not good. And the neighborhood I live in, we have city water, but every lot has a grinder pump to connect it to city and that grinder pump has been a struggle. It cost a lot when we built, and I've already replaced it once in 15 years, and I've learned that the alarm that goes off continuously is a horrible economic sign, and it was going off and off, and I was like, please turn off. Please just stop it, and it kept going, and I couldn't remember, but I knew something was wrong. And I went out there, and there was a number, and I called, and this sweet man answered the phone, named Stan. And Stan was very gracious, but very honest. And basically, this is gonna cost you an arm and a leg, but we'll come tomorrow. We'll come out there tomorrow, on a Saturday. I was like, are you gonna charge me more? Because it's Saturday? No, it's gonna cost, I think it costs so much, they just like, I give him a break on the weekend. The, and I was sitting there in the, in the living room thinking, You know something unexpected and my mind is going one way and and i feel like the spirit is like hey the the lord's got this i can trust him but my my flesh is is just tempting to unravel i'm sort of like yeah, and i'm like thinking about what is true And, and but it hit me i was like isn't it crazy how how things can happen in an instant that sort of change things well that was friday night about seven he said I'll be there Saturday morning I said look I got basketball practice at 10 o'clock he goes I'll be there at 11. so get to basketball practice and uh, hey boys why don't we dribble down the court and do a layup I dribbled down the court and life changed and I went up and 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 I I was like what it was like this moment of pause like everything's what just happened and I turned and I could not figure it out. I turned around. Who kicked me? What, what's going on? And I went to the ground, and all these parents are looking at me, and I'm like, no, I don't think you understand. I'm not getting up right now. And uh, and and I'm thinking, and even as I'm sitting on the court, I reminded of myself of Friday night thinking like, man, I really don't control my circumstances. This is another 12 hours later kind of deal. Like, what is going on? And you know what happens here? It's like... Circumstances change. Situations are different. But but God calls us to thankfulness in these realities. And how can it be? I want you to think about it. How can it be? Romans 8, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, Now, what does that mean? Some people go, Praise God. All things work together for good. That means there's, it's going to be the good of the outcome that I desire. Well, not necessarily, because the context is the next verse. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be what? Conformed to the image of his Son that God is faithfully committed to our good. He's faithfully committed to conforming us into his image in the working out of our life. That's a reality. Another passage, James one seventeen, in a book about trials, James says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And isn't it interesting that that in a book of, of counted all joy when you encounter various trials that turns right around and says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. When do you need wisdom? When you're in a trial, you don't understand. What, what is about the nature of God though? Don't be angry, recognize all that takes place is under his hand. They're actually good gifts that come down from above. And to be assured of his good gifts in the next verse, James says, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. We have a father who meets our needs. There's rock solid realities here that give us perspective that we can trust God and be thankful in every circumstance. We don't have to have anxiety. We can rest in our fatherly care, his fatherly care, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And then it all builds on each other. Colossians 4.2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Why? Because God is at work. And the final one this morning, thankfulness as I look to the future thankfulness as i look to the future when we look at the bible one of the reasons why thankfulness is seen over and over is because there's a positive outcome how many times have you been on a rainy day where it's pouring and really nasty out and you look at your weather app and you look and the next nine days are sunny that's a great feeling and it's pouring and it's raining hard but you go hey I feel better immediately because there's a sun, and there's not even a cloud on the sun for the next nine days. Well, the good news is, friends, the forecast is promising. The forecast is rock solid. And In Colossians He says, since we heard, he's talking about, we thank God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. He's like, man, we're thankful because what God has done for you in Christ assures the outcome and you have a bright future. In Corinthians, when he's speaking of the resurrection passage and he says, in verse 50, you know, uh, for this perishable body must put on the imperishable, this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the same that is written Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our lord jesus christ So friends today as we look at this we could go we could have gone a lot more observations but six here's my prayer my prayer is let's finish with a prayer as we review the lessons that we learned number 1 thankfulness and unknown reality before salvation today can we thank god that he has made it possible for us to live out of gratitude in Jesus. Number two, true thankfulness rooted in the work of Christ. Today, can we stop and say, thank you, Lord, for the glorious work of salvation that you have brought me. And thank you, God, for the evidence of your grace that I see in people around me that are in Christ. Number three, Thankfulness is a work of God's spirit. Can we be thankful today that God is faithful and that he who began a good work in you will complete it? And it's only by the spirit's work in our life that we can ever live thankfully. But but not only that, God's grace enables us even in what we're responsible to participate in. As we're called to appropriate this life by faith in our day to day walk. We could be thankful for the grace of Jesus for even that call. Thankfulness in all circumstances. Can we stop today and say, God, thank you that you are working all things according to your faithful purpose you have in our lives. And you're a good father with a good plan. And in your provident care, providence and care, you will be with me. And then thankfulness, as I look to the future, can we thank God that we don't have a bleak outcome? We have a forecast that's filled with gospel promises that are yes in Jesus Christ. Would you bow your head? As we go through these next few weeks, I'm gonna pray that by God's grace, we would grow in this gratitude. As we go through one of the busiest periods of the year, that our hearts would be renewed and reminded of how scripture frames thankfulness. Father, I thank you for your love for us. I pray, oh God, if there's people here today that don't know you and today they are feeling convicted of that reality. I pray today that they would trust in Jesus. They would trust in Christ fully and alone and I pray that they would believe on his work that he provided at the cross. I pray that you would grow us in gratitude in our life. Thank you, Father that we can live content, that we can live with peace, that we can live thankful because of your grace. And I pray today that you would teach us what that means and what that looks like and how we're called to walk in it. It's in Jesus' name we pray.